brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Good in the hood, party peoples. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Lost Origins. This is Andrew, and as always, joined by the homie CK. What's up, man? How are you? Living the dream. What's good? Dude. So last night, we went and saw Toy Story 4. And when I say we, I don't mean we took the kids. Date I mean, night. It was date night. Shay and I went, uh, went rogue without the kids and went and saw Toy Story 4. And I've been a just like resounding fan of that franchise from day one so it's so deep yeah it holds such a, a special place in my heart insofar as after the movie we went and had a had a cocktail and i was like talking about it so much and she's like yo you really like toy story huh? <laughs> and i'm over there like which one's your favorite and of all the characters who do you connect with them like it was it was ridiculous she's like, Shh, let's make out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but you know one moment i wanted to share i'm not going to give away any spoilers but you know, Pixar always does an incredible job of two things, three things. One is animation, obviously, sure. always at the forefront of that. Two, like they tug the heartstring, something fierce, and make you feel things. You know, you, you go see a Pixar movie, you know at some point that you're going to feel all the things. Mm -hmm. But when are they going to hit you with it, right? Is it like up where in the first six minutes yes, you're crying? Yes, yes. Or is it the <laughs> – like you never know. Three, there are 
in, you know, in most of their movies, there are these like subtle messages to be passed to the parents that are watching the movies with their kids or whatever. But like in Toy Story 4, there's this moment where Woody is walking down the road with this new character, Forky, who is my spirit animal now. Um, Amazing, amazing character. And they're having this conversation about uh, Woody and his experience with Andy. Right. Because this takes place long after Andy uh, gives all the toys to Bonnie at the end of Toy Story 3. Um, I know so much about Toy Story 3. Um, (laughs) Anyways, they're having a conversation about, you know, Woody's experience uh, with Andy and it hit home, dude. He's talking about how, you know, he cares for Andy and he's watching him grow up and he's trying to be present and participate and just like make sure Andy has everything that he needs from Woody and then he grows up and then he's gone and then Woody is struggling to find his purpose and in that moment in the theater while I'm like trying to like hide the fact from my girlfriend that like I'm kind of crying and stuff, whatever. <laughs> um, it's like god damn it's so hard at times to stay present and be in the moment and be in the now you know we have four kids in the house so it's always batshit crazy in here and like Sometimes you just have to like all the times you just have to love it for what it is because before we know it, we're going to blink and your kid, you guys too, like we're going to blink and they're gone. And then it's like, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. And that, like so much time. Yeah. And so it was uh, one of many takeaways that I had from that film. If you've not seen it, holy hell, go see it. It's, it's unreal. It's very well done. Hands down, like one of the best Pixar movies, arguably one of the best animated movies I've ever seen. You know, for, for a while, it's been Spider-Man into the, into the oh Spider-Verse. Oh, my God. Into the Spider-Verse is so good. This smokes it, dude. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Bold words, but yeah, I, I'll stand by them, man. I'll stand by them. And I guess before we jump into some other things, while we're talking about media recommendations, yeah. um, I rarely have a uh, kind of like soul-tugging reaction to um, the news anymore you know i feel like it's something where you kind of watch the news at your at your own peril you're like do i want to be depressed (laughs) or should i just watch something else that's like not actually real right enter Um, at your own risk enter at your own risk um and my wife and i are really big fans of hbo's news program vice news tonight okay um two days ago uh vice news tonight released a a very short um investigative journalism report that i really wanted to encourage i know our listeners have uh, deep concerns about the globe about what's going on about yeah. geopolitics and rarely are we you know pushing things like this on people um but i will say that if you have any interest in what's going on in china right now um specifically in terms of taking an ethnic population and cleansing them and Whoa. turning them into Han Chinese. It's the ethnic Uyghur population, the uh, you know ethnically Muslim population of mainland China. Um, systematically, they have been essentially had children taken away from them and re-educated in camps. Um, Holy there's, hell. there's a really, really gnarly um, ethnic cleansing going on in China right now that I think most of the world is probably unfamiliar with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just this is literally moments. the first time being and, exposed to it. And so... I watched this half hour. It's not this crazy thing, but they basically, you know, they don't allow journalists into this uh, the city that is primarily for this re-education. Sure. They don't allow foreign journalists. They don't allow people to come in and look at it. So Vice News Tonight basically sent a British uh, Chinese-speaking journalist there to pretend to be a blogger. And they basically show all these concentration camps and they show all these re-education camps. They talk to ethnic Uyghurs whose children have been taken away to be re-educated. And we're talking about 
millions of children who are basically being taken from their family's ethnicity and, and re-educated in a, a non-religious tradition in China. So I recommend anybody who's interested in having your, you know, real geopol geopolitical wig peeled, um, check it out. HBO, Vice News Tonight, um, the episode on ethnic Uyghurs from two days ago or from a few days ago. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to jump into that. That pretty hard hitting stuff. It, I mean, yeah, for real. I don't understand how. I mean, you would think it's 2019, we should all just like chill for a minute and get along, you know, especially with cannabis being legal in so many states, but like- Not in China. Yeah, it's just crazy to me that like stuff like this still exists. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's heavy. I'm going to check that out and uh, maybe next week I'll hit you with my take on it and just kind of like- Hell yeah. Yeah. Like just- it's report, interesting report stuff. my findings. So, okay, let's uh, shift real quick uh, for everybody out there within the last couple of weeks that have hit us with a, you know, subscribe plug or review on, on podcast platform of your choice. Thank you. That's amazing. Uh, it is so cool to hop in there, you know, from time to time and just see these numbers move like they do and get this kind of feedback from you, you know, both positive and negative or, you know, constructive, whatever. Like, we just love that you guys are real with us. Uh, more so, I'm going to read one uh, that, you know, awesome. was really cool. Like, I, I, I do read these personally. Every, every, single, every single, single one of them. And not just from America, right? Like, for those of you who don't know the, the you know, the, the what's under the hood of the podcast world, uh, iTunes specifically will only show you reviews from your geolocation. Right. So like us being in the United States, we can't see the reviews being left in Great Britain or being uh, left in Venezuela or South Africa natively on that platform. You have to use other tools that scrape all that and pull it into a dashboard or whatever. Uh, I have one of those and, and I, I see all of them. And it's so cool uh, to see that kind of feedback coming from around the globe. First of all, like, totally. wow, wow what, yeah. what the hell is happening here? Uh, so uh, Lena Ski Supernova. I think that's her that's probably maiden her, name. Yeah, maiden name. <laughs> um, she hit us with this, dude. Check this out. She said, how did I only find out about this show now? From the sexiest intro, I think she's probably talking about the music or your voice. She's talking about know. you. Yeah, no, no, she's no, no, talking no, about no. your face. Well, you can't see me. No, she sees you. I'm rocking a mustache right now, dude. Come yeah, on. The mustache is so gold it's, right now, it's dude. weird. No, okay, it's... let me get back to this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> From the sexiest intro to a playlist that left me reeling on where to start, everything comes together in the most human way. Warning. This podcast is absorbing, like completely absorbing. Prepare to go on a mindgasm, mindgasm. Type word, uh, that blows up the most fascinating questions, edgy perspectives, and insane conversation starters. It takes getting lost to the cleverest spaces and the deepest corners of the unknown. That was a really, really well-written review. Right? <laughs> that like, gnarly. That's cool. So thank you, uh, Leoneski Supernova. We appreciate the hell out of that feedback. Um, and and, and while we, we don't expect everyone to be that articulate, we do love anything, even if it's just one line or, hey, you guys are awesome or, hey, guys, step your game up. Right. Like maybe do this differently. I don't know. Like we want all the feedback. So I thought that was really cool. And uh, I'm going to just like build on that with some social media stuff that we got hit with this week. Uh, I had an exchange online uh, Facebook, I believe, with this dude named Joseph Weisenberger. And homie, if I slaughtered your last name or your first name, I don't know. The world's weird now. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope I said it right. Uh, so him and I had like a back and forth just talking about, uh, he, he opened the conversation with, uh, hey, I, I, I want to leave you this review. I, I love what you guys are doing. The show is great. Uh, I am a history major. Nice. And uh, what did he say? Dual MBA right now. 
but he loves the show and he loves these perspectives that he's not getting in the classroom. So that was like the conversation starter. And we, we went back and forth for a while um, and we started talking about, you know, hey, what theories are you interested in us uh, in us exploring? What researchers and authors do you want to hear from? And so he hit us with like a ton of stuff. And I'm just going to hit you with like a couple sentences. And he says, you know, uh, hit us with like the five researchers that, that he wants to hear from. Uh, he says, you know, several theories uh, include the Olmec heads of Mexico, different Atlantis theories, uh, the temples of Angkor Wat, which we've never actually talked about on the show, uh, how, and how that's connected to, to the constellation Draco, uh, which is really cool work that Graham Hancock put out, you know, you know, way back in the day with Fingerprints of the Gods. Um, Puma Punku. I mean, he just like this wall of ideas. It's great. And it was awesome. And we get that, you know, quite a bit. But I want to encourage our listeners to do that more because we take it serious, right? So I shipped this to the booking agency that handles all of our, our bookings. And I was like, all right, guys. Find make, us. Make it happen, right? Find us some expertise on Olmec heads. So cool. do it. That's awesome. Really appreciate people digging in. You know, one of the things that I think is cool about this show as, as somebody who gets to be part of these conversations is, you know, I find myself opening tabs and Googling things throughout a number. You know, this is something I've spent a lot of my time thinking about, a lot of my time reading about. But Same. almost every conversation here, there's something new. There's there's something else I hadn't heard of. Right. You know, there's some other World Heritage site uh, about which I was unfamiliar. And mm -hmm. so if it's coming from our guests or coming from our audiences, that's what this show is all about. We love it. I hope that the show is having that effect on people in the wild, right? Mm -hmm. Like CK and I both go full rip with our laptops as we're having these conversations. Uh, we try to type quietly. I type like a cave person. So if you hear it, that's probably me. But we're both like rigorously opening these new tabs and trying to find, you know, examples of, of you know, topic XYZ that we haven't heard about before. And I hope that that is cascading out into the audience, right? Absolutely. And even, you know, even if there are corrections or somebody wants to offer a different opinion or, hey, you guys reference this, check out this link. Um, and for those who want to see how we deal with the correction, for instance, you know, tune in at the end of the show. Um, I have, you know, had an audience member reach out to me to help me step my game up. And uh, we, we uh, will we'll address it at the end of the okay. show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You hadn't told me about that. So, uh, I can't wait. Absolutely. So let's do this then. Let's uh, go full rip on our conversation with Sonia Grace and we'll come back to that. So I want to lead with a disclaimer and I touched on it briefly in last week's episode. There have been a lot of conversations on this show that have explored some pretty heady topics, right? And I mean, I'm inherently skeptical, but the format of the show is let's just have open-ended conversations to explore a topic and then in the end... I hope everybody is able to like kind of formulate their own opinion or totally. take on it, whatever. And um, there have been very few conversations that we've gone into or I've gone into before you came onto the show that I was skeptical about. Today is the most skeptical I've ever been, just straight up. Uh, it's not due to a lack of respect for Sonia Grace, right? I, I, I love what she's doing and like seeing her in different documentaries and like having uh, been exposed to her by, by Inner Traditions who, you know, they are the sponsor of our show. Much love for the homies over there. Uh, and she has like, I think, four books with them. So head over to innertraditions.com and, and search Sonia Grace and, and just check out her work. But, you know, I have mad respect for anybody who's willing to look at a thing from a different perspective and put their opinion and or take on it out in the wild for public consumption. That's scary. And specifically, you know, we are talking about mystic healing. We are talking about spirit traveling. Right. We are talking about, you know, the, her identity as an earth angel. Uh, we're talking about 
um, you know, her ability to potentially commune with other transdimensional entities. And so, I mean, I think like you, I also, you know, with any guest, uh, share a certain healthy skepticism, but I think we're both super fired up today to kind of fill in some blanks on our own experience with those things, yeah. on, our, on our own understanding of those things. And, and we've both, you know, seen her speak on different Gaia programs and some other things sure. and she's so smart and she's, you know, so, so thoughtful. So, you know, I, I hope today she's open to us kind of poking at different aspects of it, yeah, pulling yeah. different threads. I and, guess we'll find out. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. She could be like, you guys are ridiculous. I don't want to talk to you. What could go wrong? Yeah. Um, no, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to, you know, again, go at this skepticism with an open mind to hopefully have a very thoughtful and thorough conversation. And then furthermore, I encourage everybody listening to hit us with your feedback when we get done, right? Totally. I think that's, that's what this is all about. So, uh, I don't know. Should we just go? Let's get her on the horn. Let's go. Hello, Sonia Grace. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a pleasure. We're really excited to to be able to dig into your work and, and pick your brain a little bit. Uh, we, did, we did get a, a good amount of questions on social media for you as it relates to just like who you are, your research, your books. And, and so we're really excited to kind of pick through that and jump down some rabbit holes together. And Sonia, you know... <laughs> You you really occupy a, a different space in your research and in your personal work than I think many of the other people that have been on the show so far. Mm -hmm. And just to bring some other people, you know, you've you've been on Gaia, Ancient Civilizations, you've written books, you've done so many different things. But for those who aren't as familiar with your work, could you give us kind of a, a background on you know what you focus on, um, where you've kind of come from in your research, what's motivating mm -hmm. you, that kind of stuff before we sort of jump in on the, on the here and now. Sure. Sure. Thank you. I, I am uh, considered a mystic and a healer. I have all sensory systems on. I was born this way. I see, hear, smell, feel, and weirdly sometimes taste everything that's in the unseen world, the spirit realm. So, you know, from my earliest memory at two years old, I was seeing, you know, spirits and beings in the room. I had a wild childhood. Thank God I grew up on a farm and was <laughs> told to go play in the woods because <laughs> it, it really helped me, um, you know, sort of like deal with what was happening because so much was open. I was so open. And, you know, over the course of, I've been doing this work now for 38 years and I've been really dedicated um, on many levels to being in service. And what that means to me is that um, I turned my life over to creator and said, wherever you need me to be, however you need me to be there, just please make sure I have shoes if I'm walking. <laughs> so, Crucial. so that, that has been, you know, my, my, my journey. And as a healer, because I work long distance all over the world with clients who have, you know, liver problems and gallbladder issues and uh, heart disease. Uh, I, you know, I do, I, I'm like a surgeon. I go in and do the equivalency of a triple bypass. And, you know, people have called me back and said, I went back to my doctor and they, there's no heart disease. They can't find anything. In fact, I worked on a guy in LA who was just two hours 
to going into a heart surgery. And I, he, his wife called me and I worked on him and he, they went in for the surgery. They were going to put stints in. They had all this stuff planned. They came out of the surgery and said, we can't find anything wrong. There was nothing for us to do. Hmm. So when you say when you say you're going to hop in and work on him, can you unpack that a little bit for me? Like, what is what does that look like? You know, what's yeah, just kind of walk so us through I'm that. here in my office in Arizona and I am working on as if I were in person with someone in, in, you know, wherever they are, Singapore, New Zealand, Australia, LA, you know, wherever I have clients all over the world and I'm able, this is, this is the part that this is the segue into talking about spirit travel or my book. I, I spirit travel every day. Basically I put myself in front of people, no matter where they are in the world and work on them as if they were physically in front of me. Hmm. I was trained kind of old school, hands-on healing, you know, lots of different modalities. I had some brilliant teachers when I was young and, and, you know, that evolved into eventually going long distance and working on people long distance. So is it like similar to uh, like Reiki? No, no Reiki. Yeah. Reiki's sort of like this phase that came long after my training, I, I was trained in, you know, energy medicine and uh, polarity therapy and Traeger and all of these kind of hands-on healing modalities. But as I grew and evolved spiritually as a healer, um, it became very apparent to me that I had the ability to put myself in front of somebody and do the work that way and not go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I worked on a woman who's in Montana the, a, a couple weeks ago and her hands are really crippled with arthritis and I was working on her hands. And again, I, I see her in front of me and I'm literally taking the arthritis out of her joints and her fingers and I'm going through each finger and she was gasping. You know, she was like, Oh my God, I, I haven't been able to make a fist with my hands for years. And she was flattening them out on the table. She said she couldn't do that for years, for a long time too. So the point is, is that some people experience this right away. And it's like, you know, like I call it miracles. And and other people, it takes time. You know, they people have stuff, you know, people have egos. They've got layers of emotional stuff, mental stuff, spiritual karmic stuff. So healing, it it can be immediate. I love the the story. Like I just told you, it can be immediate, but it can also be a couple days later. It can be a couple weeks later. It just depends on where that person's at with their, you know, their whole, like their their condition. Yeah. Yeah, Their whole picture. Yeah. Cause I, I believe, I believe most illness all illness, actually not most, I believe all illness is emotionally based. So just so we can understand this as well, because I, I find this really fascinating. Um, yeah. And I know Andrew does as well. So some of this is is you actually counseling people uh, and really trying to help them think about their condition in a different way. And am I understanding this properly, that some of this actually involves you um, sort of projecting yourself into a uh, sort of dimensional condition where you are with them 
Um, you're talking about projecting your spirit so that you can actually work on the hand. So it's a, is it a combination of those things or is it more primarily one projection or what? Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Because this goes now into spirit traveling and, and me being some a time traveler, really. This is a, an element of that. Okay, so what happens is I go into a deep meditation. This is not astral projection. I'm in deep meditation. And when I reach a state of being in that meditation, I experience my body dissolving, like it's going into little weird particles that are floating off into space. And as I dissolve, it is at that point that my guides who are high angelic beings, they're, they're like angels, they take me by the hand and we go back in time. We go back to different sites around the world and they show me what happened, who built it, why it was built. And, but I don't go to any of these sites without them and without them telling me basically where we're going to go. I don't I don't hand them a menu and say, I want to go to these places. I'll take they the take six me. with a, uh, yeah, at the exactly. side of ancient Sumeria, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so when I'm working on people day in and day out, it is a similar process. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Says in that I am able to basically transport myself to people and work on them. And it, it, it's so automatic for me now. I, you know, I literally can sit in my office and uh, be there. It's like time and space for me is not what it is for most people. I experience time and space in a very different way. And I attribute a lot of that early training that I had I, I was, um, 
you know, in order for my parents to deal with me as a young child and, and all of the weirdness that I brought <laughs> to our family, they put me in, in ballet class. I trained as a classical ballerina and I, I danced professionally for about 15 years. And I oh, believe wow. that all of that training and learning about time and space and moving your body through it is truly what has given me a different experience with time and space. That's interesting. One thing that you mentioned too about like your your meditation. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of you know parallels there to to Buddhism, right? I've been right. A, I've been a Buddhist for a little over 15 years, and you mm-hmm. know one of the most common meditations or like beginning meditations before you enter a session is to you know, imagine yourself becoming light and particles and, and just like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, breaking off into, you know, the void essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, when mm-hmm. I was doing some research and just kind of like, you know, poking around on- online about your work and just who you are and your experiences, I did mm-hmm. see a lot of common like connections and comments mm-hmm. and, and whatnot of people connecting your work, you know, to that mm-hmm. of Edgar Casey. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so is that in your mind, is that kind of a correct assumption? Um, and, you know, furthermore, like, I guess, what's the ultimate intention for you with this mm-hmm. type of work that, that you're doing? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I've heard that, too. And, and I think it's funny that I have people from the Edgar Casey Institution who call me for sessions. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, my, you know, my clientele, I have some of the you know, top shamans and medicine people in this country who call me because I have these abilities. And I, I th- this is the weird thing. It's like, yes, we're all spiritual. Yes, we're all connected to source. Yes, we all have sensitivity. And we are, and most humans are very empathic. But, you know, I have my skill set because this is karmically who I am and what I've come through each lifetime with. You guys have your skill sets because of who you are. And certainly I'm sure we can all agree the guy who was washing windows on the street corner is not who I'm going to ask to do brain surgery on me. Sure. Right. Because he has his skill sets and the brain surgeon has his skill sets. So that's the, that's sort of the mis misunderstanding in the spiritual community you know, it's like, well, I, I want to do what you do. Well, I want to be like you and do that. And sure, I teach people, I train people all the time. But as far as time travel goes and being able to spirit travel, um, I that's something I can't teach. That's sure. something that just happens to me. And I'm happy to share my experience. You know, and I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I mean, we have a lot that we want to unpack today as it relates to yep. your work and your books, but I, I'm going to go rogue for a second because, okay. you know, the last couple episodes of the show, we've really been poking the bear that is altered states of consciousness, the nature of reality, um, you know, DMT. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just kind of want to get your take on, you know, that whole, you know, realm of, of what we're starting to look at from a scientific perspective, uh, you know, like with the work of uh, Rick Strassman and, and whatnot, like just, can you unpack that for me? I'm just curious as hell as to, to, to your take on that. Absolutely. And it is something that I'm very outspoken about. I'll try to <laughs> dial it down a little bit, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I am, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I teach a form of meditation. It's the basis of my work and it's a grounding meditation, but it's really designed to connect with earth energy and bring earth energy into the body. I believe that our first and foremost relationship as souls 
in human form is with the earth. Then our relationships with, you know, people, karmic, you know, karmic stuff with people that comes into play. But our first relationship is with this planet. And as a result of that understanding, I am able to, like in meditation uh, retreats that I do, I actually am bringing my groups of people into an altered state through meditation. And uh, seriously, for four days, we're in meditation and we're, everybody's high. I mean, we're like ser seriously high, but we have taken no drugs. There's no drugs or alcohol at my retreats. Mm -hmm. And the point that I'm making is that I believe we can reach these altered states naturally and that we can do it through meditation and proper guidance. So I'm not a big fan of everybody running out and doing psychedelics and going to ayahuasca ceremonies because I believe that, you know, if we look to history and we look to the past, there was only one shaman in the village who would literally sacrifice him or herself to go undergo such a, an ordeal to bring the vision to the people. And it's not that I'm denying people th this experience, but I think the piece that gets missed is that we are highly addicted. Our society is so addicted right now. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, name anything, shopping, alcohol, drugs, you know, sex, gaming, food, tobacco. Podcasting. I mean, there's so, yeah, there's <laughs> so, yeah, there's so much addiction going on that the spiritual community misses that piece and runs off to find to get their spiritual groove on um, by going to an ayahuasca ceremony or, or you know or doing some kind of psychedelic and they're not they're not really reviewing well is this a part of my addiction pattern or am I really um, you know am I really in a, a place a, a serious grounded place that I need to do this sure sure I, no, I really don't, I don't think it's that. necessary. I really don't think it's, I think if people are disciplined and get to the right person, such as what I'm describing, you can have an altered experience, but it's, it's safe. So Sonia, I want to dig a little bit deeper into some of the really interesting stuff you're describing in regards to your actual transit through space-time. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you describe these uh, angelic beings, do you mm -hmm. or have you come to see these beings or entities or energies as actual discrete entities that are from somewhere else? Are they representations of uh, earth energy or Gaia? Are they, wh mm -hmm. what have you come to see those, those guard guardians as, or those guides as where, where are they from? What are they, what is their impetus? Okay. So everything exists on the astral plane from the lowest smarmiest demons, entities, all the way up to the highest angelic beings. The, there are all, there's aliens, alien forms, aliens, I'm talking about greys and reptilians and all these different types of aliens that exist. What is different from all of that, and I'm going to go through all of this, what's different from all of that are demigods. And I talk about demigods in Spirit Traveler. These are star beings. They're much bigger. They're huge, ominous, you know, 16 feet tall beings that are benevolent and they're up in the same category vibration as angels. 
demigods have come through to earth and helped form, change, you know, evolve humanity since humanity came here. Entities are something that are like, you know, I, I clear entities and alien stuff from people all day long. I remove, you know, implants out of people. I mean, just it's it's crazy how much gets globbed into our field. But when you think about what's going on with the human body and that we all have parasites, we have this parasitical thing in our bodies. We keep it at a low roar. If it gets out of hand, we start doing cleansing stuff to get rid of parasites, right? It's the same in the unseen world. Entities like to glob onto the field and, and you know, and basically catch a ride with you because most people's vibration is such that they want to go with that. And when I see my guides who are high angelic beings, they're, they're angels. They're literally they look like angels. They have beautiful, uh, they're really beautiful. They've got, you know, sort of this luminous skin. They do have hair. Um, and I do see wings. They're quite large, like the demigods, and they are often adorned in clothing that has, you know, sort of a silver and gold, you know, shimmer to it, but it is, um, more like I call it angel clothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I see, you know, I see all the demigods. I've, I just did a, a, an Oracle deck called Odin and the nine realms, which is coming out in August and all the artwork is mine. I, I did all the drawings of the gods for the cards. And this Oracle deck is, is, you know, again, my ability to see the Norse gods and to get the information they wanted me to put in this deck. Hmm. I see the Egyptian gods. I spoke to Ra when I stood in the middle of the Great Pyramid. I see the Hopi gods when I go out home. You know, I see all of these different deities, these benevolent beings, but I also see my guides who are high angelic beings. And they've been with me since the beginning of my incarnations here on earth um, when I first came through to Atlantis. Hmm. So they've been with me all this time. And, and so while you're convening, uh, you know, your practice and, and while you're being guided, have you ever mm -hmm. had any sort of discourse um, with any of these um, beings just about why it is that you have the perception that you have and why it is that you have the unique ability or, you know, potentially unique ability or rare ability to, to see these, um, these energies, these beings um, while they're here on this plane? Have, have, they, have you had that kind of discourse? Sure, yeah, I mean. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 
That's joinmidi.com. On the human front, I've had, you know, medicine people try to kill me on many occasions. <laughs> Whoa, because wow. I, Oh, yeah, because of, of what I can see and the things that I'm connected to. Jealousy, I believe, is the very element that will bring the human race down. I mean, jealousy is a weird, weird thing. Yeah, it's and definitely nasty. I, I believe that that's really what what uh, that's that's like the worst of the worst with people. So, yeah, I've been attacked a lot in my life. And as far as, you know, the the unseen world, I've pulled I, I took implants out of a guy in Ohio. Again, I'm sitting here in Arizona. He audibly was screaming while I was taking his implants out. And that night when I pulled into the driveway, I, I'd gone to the store. I was taking groceries out of the car. I looked up in the sky. It was nighttime. And there was this bright light shining up in the sky that was not a star. It was much bigger. And all of a sudden, it turned into like a spotlight. And it was like this, I could see it moving around, kind of like frantically trying to find something. And telepathically, I heard them say to me, you took those implants out and you were not given permission to do so. And I turned and looked, it was a ship. And I turned and looked at that ship and I said, you guys have no right to put them in anyone. And basically, you know, I said, F you and, 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 and grab my, <laughs> Get out grab of my groceries and walk towards the door. But I watched as I turned and I looked, the spotlight went out and then I saw the ship go up. And, you know, that that's one kind of confrontation. I have other clients who graze implant all the time. And those grays, a lot of times will come after me, after I've removed the implants, they'll come into my home and, you know, start really be, being menacing towards me. So yes, I do get attacked. I do deal with all this stuff, but my attitude with all of it is, you know, you, you have, you have no right to be here. Sure. And sure. This is the part that humans forget. We all have, we all have free will. So we can say no, we can override our fear and we can say no. Sure. So, I mean, again, we keep like punting on getting to our actual mm -hmm. questions that we outline. so interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're just going to keep it going. I think I this is a perfect transition into a question that came in through social media. We had uh, Paul Chilcote, homie, I hope I'm saying your name right. Um, he wants to know, what are your thoughts on the ancient alien involvement across the globe? Um, and that uh, more specifically, most ancient civilizations spoke of people from the sky, even though they're all on different continents. But again, they all have like similar names and whatnot. Like, what's your take on, on, on that whole rabbit hole? Well, let's make the rabbit hole into the Grand Canyon and Tight, let's go. <laughs> dive into that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was, I wanted to share this with you guys because I, I had, um, made it a point to mark this down. Um, the earth is 4.5 billion years old. Mm -hmm. And we are now in the fifth dimension. If we divide that time into five dimensions, the earth has experienced each dimension around 900 million years. I believe, and what my research has brought me to, is humans have only been here for 20 million years. That means we dropped in during the fourth dimension. Okay? okay. And this is, this is something 
moving into this fifth dimension that we're in now, which everybody has experienced in different ways. I'm getting back to aliens. Um, the, everyone has experienced this fifth dimension from feeling like they're being rushed. Time is moving faster. They've got weird ringing in their ears. They've got all physical symptoms. I mean, people have all had sort of a noted experience of moving into this dimension. Humans have never been in the fifth dimension before. And we're watching people across the board not deal with it well. I mean, we, we have huge, huge issues of things going on where this planet is suffering. And while this is happening, because the fifth dimension is a higher vibration, we have portals opening up now all over and alien life coming through to Earth. These different aliens coming through to Earth are here with their own agenda, just like they were in the past. And let me remind you, aliens are different than demigods. Sure. Demigods are high, very benevolent beings. When those guys come through, you know, it, that that's that's the big one that's the stonehenge of being placed that's the great pyramids being placed but when alien life comes through it, you guys remember the movie signs oh yeah totally. oh yeah that, that's like one of my favorite and Same. and it's like it's like that it's like they have an agenda they want to take over they don't agree with how humans are doing it they need a planet or whatever they need water they need resources a lot of aliens will come through and simply take resources from Earth and go. Um, they're they're pretty invisible, pretty benign. Um, but I I am a huge advocate in saying that, like the Anunnaki, aliens have always had an agenda, much in the same that humans have had an agenda. We have we believe me, we have agendas. You know, we want to make more money. We, we want oil. We're going to do this. We're going to frack over here. There's an agenda in the human race. Mm -hmm. Aliens are no different. So, um, yes, to answer the question, yes, I believe they've been coming here for a long time. I believe that there was a huge, huge shift in consciousness and our technology because of what happened at, you know, Roswell and Area 51 and all of the evolution from that particular experience. And Sonia, you talk about, you know, or just a moment ago, you spoke about how, you know, shaman and other, you know, uh, medicine people or spiritual leader in different tribes would, uh, you <laughs> know, threaten you or are threatened by you in, in different ways. Um, and I thought that was pretty fascinating. But I'm also curious about, you know, because what you're describing is really heady and you are challenging the status quo of medicine and and uh -huh. even even just modern physics and some of these other things that I think sure. are, create this cohesion in the scientific community. Have you had any sort of specific pushback or, or challenges from the scientific community? Or do you have any kind of contentious relationship with uh, physicians or, or other healers or anything like that outside of what you were describing in terms of the threatening dynamic? Yeah. No, actually, um, I would say 40% of my clientele are psychologists to start hmm. with. I have a, a heart surgeon, a, a cardiologist who refers people to me from New York. Wow. <laughs> I have um, I have other doctors that I work on regularly and um, they they just, you know, I fix a knee or, you know, a shoulder or whatever the problem is. And they're like, 
oh my God. I mean, my own sister, my oldest sister is a doctor in Norway. And I mean, she, she calls me and asks me to work on her all the time. And really? she says, yeah, her comment is if we could bottle this, we would be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you could only clone yourself and yeah, you know, right? charge by the uh, trans-dimensional hour. Yeah, yeah. Coefficient of inflation and you know, yeah. all the things. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. space inflation. Uh, yeah. Well, that's really, that's really fascinating. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I want you to know that, you know, I manifested you guys, which tells you that I'm, I'm in a vibration where I don't tend to manifest such, uh, um, opposition anymore. I tend to manifest like, like-minded people and people who are really in that groove with me, um, being attacked by people in, you know, the spiritual community has more to do with, um, th- them, their understanding and learning that that attack is not really the way to go. Hmm. God, you know, it's such a, I mean, think about how old this is, that the best tool we have and the most powerful we tool, tool we have is to forgive. Yeah, Forgiveness sure. is so Truth. underrated. And I talk to people all the time. Oh yeah, I forgave him. Oh yeah, I forgave him. But there's different layers of forgiveness, yeah. just like there is love. There's different layers to love. And, and I, I just, you know, it's like, I go into a state of forgiveness. It's like, okay, that person doesn't really know what they're doing or why they're doing what they're doing because they're so emotionally wounded, they have to act it out even today as an adult. Yeah. And that's, that's where I hold those things. The ego of self is, you know, insanely crippling and debilitating Uh and it it really, you know, stops us from seeing the world for what it is and, you know, seeing the people that we love and care about for, for who they are. And it's, it's, it's pretty insane. Well, I, I always compare the ego as, as, as your firewall on your computer. It will protect you. Even if you're dysfunctional and you're really like not, not doing well, it will protect you. So a healthy ego is one that knows that, that there's boundaries and there is protection, but it's also something that you've worked on your inner stuff to get to a place where that ego becomes healthy yeah. and unhealthy an unhealthy ego is obviously, you know, a false ego, someone who's boasting, you know, I'm this, I'm that. And you know, what's underneath it is a very scared, uh, you know, fearful person. You know, my apologies for taking it back to Buddhism, but like all I'm yep. hearing is Majumaka, which is uh-huh. Tibetan for, you know, middle ground and balance, right? Like maintaining a healthy balance between the two, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum there, I think is, Right. Super, super right. healthy and, and like hot damn. Do I appreciate how thoughtful you were with, with breaking that down for us. So, um, I do really, really want to unpack like the, the work that you, that you've put forth in the latest book, more specifically with some of the sites around the globe. Uh, of, you know, first I want to dig into, you know, Tiwanaku. Uh, we do have to take a quick break. Um, but when we hop back, let's start to unpack that rabbit hole. So more from Sonia Grace after the break. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. 
The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to our conversation with Sonia Grace. Today is, you know, a little different than the normal format of the show. We're exploring some concepts and theories that, um, you know, we, we don't normally some explore. Awesome yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. I'm enjoying it so much. Um, so, Sonia, thank you so much for, for just unpacking everything that you did in the first half of the show. Uh, thoughtful as hell. I, I'm really enjoying the conversation. I do really want to start, you know, digging into uh, your work and more specifically with uh, the connection to ancient sites around the globe. Um, and I really want to start with Tiwanaku in Bolivia, right? Mm -hmm. So yep. most of our listeners know this, obviously, but this site is often connected to uh, the ancient astronaut theory. Um, it's also connected to you know, ancient civilizations, uh, more specifically concepts and theories put forth by, you know, Graham Hancock, Randall Carlson, you know, a lot, a lot of those guys in the space. Um, so I really just want you to walk us through your opinion and your take on this site. Explain your work uh, surrounding Tiwanaku for our listeners and just kind of unpack, you know, where you're at with everything. Okay. Well, in my book, Spirit Traveler, there's several places that my guides who are high angelic beings took me to back in time. So we time traveled back to, you know, Stonehenge, Tiwanaku, the Caffrey Pyramid, various places. And I, I find it really interesting that both Stonehenge and Tiwanaku from my research and what I learned while I was there in my time travels were basically created by the Pleiadians. And here's the ancient astronaut theory part okay. um, in that the Pleiadians who are also like demigods, they're very high benevolent beings have come through to earth, both at Stonehenge, both at uh, Tiwanaku and basically help the people create 
um, a, a new society by cross-pollinating with the people, by teaching them ceremonies, and certainly by placing large sarsen stones, such as at you know at the at Stonehenge. Um, but I believe that this gateway, the gateway of the sun, from what I was shown, is the portal to Pleiades. It is a portal. And in my in my travels there, they literally took me through the portal to Pleiades. Hmm. That was fun. Yeah, I bet that's a trip, right? Mm-hmm. Just a, yeah. an average Thursday in your world probably though, right? Exactly. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yep. So – so, yeah, I, I believe that this site um, is, you know, I mean, there's just so many things that are really uh, similar. You, you know, you've, you take the kivas from my, you know, I'm, I'm from Hopi, from the Hopi tradition. Right. Kivas, you know, found at Chaco Canyon uh, and, and, you know, at the mesas up here in Arizona, you know, it's the same, uh, you know, construct in many ways as what we see at uh, Tiwanaku. So let's now move across the pond a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned, I, I think it's kind of cool that you teed up a few of these things, but I'd really like uh, to understand. Let's look at Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout the course of our life, we've probably been, everybody uh, who's listening has probably been fascinated by Stonehenge to some degree. Um, <clears throat> there have been a lot of different understandings of, is it Druids? Um, is there some sort of re- religious practice that's uh, being done by Druids? Is it, you know, which which different elements um, you subscribe to kind of depends on where you come from. But I know that you have some personal experience with the site. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could shed mm-hmm. some light on the purpose of Stonehenge, some of your experience there for the listeners. Sure. Um, when I time traveled back to Stonehenge, I was shown the land before anything was on it. So what they told me, and again, this was Pleiadians who came through while I was there with my guides, and they told me what happened. They said, when Atlantis and Lemuria fell, this was when the comets hit Earth around 12,000 500, 800, right in there. Yeah, and um, the younger drives, the, and, right? Yes, and the and the land masses shifted. All you know, all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. Basically, there was an ice age. When the ice age receded, now we're talking about the area of the UK. <clears throat> there was uh, these these huge portals opened up all over the earth. Huge portals, and it was like the earth, who actually is a being. She has a body that's very round, but this is her body. She sends out the signal to the demigods, hey, I'm ready. We're going to start a new phase of humanity. So when Atlantis and Lemuria fell, which was another phase, we started a new phase of humanity. And that's when all the demigods, the Egyptian gods, the Tibetan gods, the Hopi gods, the Greek gods, the that's when everybody came through and had their little you know, area of earth where they cross-pollinated and worked with the people. So Stonehenge, where it sits today, is a much larger uh, part of a portal. That portal is huge. Stonehenge is just a small part of it. But what they showed me was over the time and history, various things were placed to mark these portals and smaller stones were placed, you know, sticks and twigs in the beginning, garlands of flowers, you know, it eventually became stones. And the the large sarsen stones were not placed 
I believe, until around 4000 BC. And the reason that those stones were placed, and I know Graham Hancock believes that some of them were already there standing, but I don't believe I don't believe that. I believe that they were placed because it was the the demigods or the I call them the ancient ones. <clears throat> it was their last message to the people. It was that they will always be with them. They were always to trust that they were there with them. And that's why the energy in those sarsen stones is like that Pleiadian energy. They're really powerful stones. Hmm. But they but they weren't coming back because now it was time. They'd been with the people for, you know, 4,000 years, 8,000 to 4,000 BC. It was time for the people to really stand on their own and practice what all the centuries that they had given them information. But what happened to the people is the people became scared because when they would come to them during the equinoxes and the solstice, they, they weren't coming to them. They weren't appearing anymore. And this is when the people of that time started burying their high priestesses next to Stonehenge, which is why we have burial mounds. It's why we have uh, uh, you know, the ashes of human remains in the, the post holes, you know, we've got these signs that people were buried there. Well, they were trying to bring the gods back. It's like, if we bury the high priestess next to Stonehenge, she'll go up and get them and bring them back. Hmm. And it wasn't until that spiraled on further. Now I'm going to sort of draw in what was going on in Mayan culture as well. Yeah, let's go. Is yeah, is it is it you've got these these things happening where the gods aren't appearing anymore and people become frantic and and the and the pendulum starts to swing from the goddess or the high priestess to the god and the druids and around 3000 BC in in Stonehenge the druids took those ceremonies of what the women were given and they made it theirs. And that whole phase of man starting to take power began. And, you know, as we know from Mayan culture to Aztec culture, they spiraled even more. Right. I mean, they were literally killing people as sacrifice to the gods. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty mind bending. And what you said, like led me to, Two different questions. So I'm going to hit you with a two-part question. Um, okay. First, when when you're you know experiencing uh, spirit traveling and you're you're going to different mm -hmm. epochs in time and whatnot, do you have any like point of reference as to like when you are right? Like, are are you able to make that connection? <clears throat> and then two, you know, your work covers the globe. There's a lot of work out there that's linking a lot of ancient megalithic sites uh, to like one you know, primary ancient mother culture, so to speak. Um, you know, we had Frank Joseph on the show a couple of weeks ago and, you know, he links uh, the Giza Plateau to Ohio's uh, Mound City and then that's linked to uh, Teotihuacan because all the base perimeters are the same, right? We see these commonalities throughout the megalithic record all across the globe. And mm -hmm. with your work, I'm really interested to get your take on like this this global connection um, mm -hmm. how, how come the ancients were, were building the same stuff? Like how, how were they able to do this? Why, why, why do we see all these commonalities? Um, like what's your, what's your opinion on that? 
Oh my God, this is like my favorite question of the whole interview. <laughs> I'm so excited. You nailed it. Um, I get it. You nailed it. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the first beings that came to earth are the Savrock. They're the ancient ant people. And they come from Orion, Orion Spelt, which is aligned, of course, with the, the Great Pyramids. So they came here and they're the ones that tunneled and created all of these places in the earth for humans when there was flooding and disaster and <clears throat> the end of Atlantis and Lemuria, et cetera, et cetera, to be safe. I mean, they literally saved pockets of people around the globe so that humanity could continue on. And these ancient ant people, they're huge. I've seen them. I've talked to them. They're, they live underground. They're very much a part of Earth's history. They were here first. Okay. When around 800,000 years ago, <clears throat> a race of giants, and there's lots of giants, but there's a race of giants, <clears throat> excuse me, that I was, I was told is called Mu. And, you know, we all know that eventually <clears throat> the earth was was called, um, or excuse me, L Lumeria was called Mu. Right. You guys remember that? Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> so so what, what happened is the, this race of giants came, and, you know, I'm going to jump over to another thing. Baalbek was a landing pad for them. Yes, they did come by ship. And, yes, they, they are in my all my research, everything that I've found, they're responsible for the building and the construction and the plans for pyramids across the globe. Are these like the same giants like that we see graves for in Sardinia? Or is that... Is that, that we not, see what? Like in Sardinia over in Italy, like that whole island that's just like riddled with hundreds and hundreds of giants, uh, like graves and tombs that were supposedly built for these giants. Is, is, that, is that the same like race or... I'm, yes, yes, it is the same race. And these, they appeared to me, I don't know if you read the, the, my spirit travels when I went to the Caffrey pyramid, but they appeared to me in the pyramid and they're, they're kind of blue. They have a bluish hue to them, but they're huge and, and they're, they're giants obviously. And they, and they told me that they're the ones that basically constructed all the pyramids. And if you look at the pyramids from China to Egypt, to Mexico, they're all on the Tropic of Capricorn. They're all on the same line. It's like the, it, it, it's it's uncanny when you start looking at this globally, what was going on and why. And I truly believe, and what I was told is that these this race of giants, the Mu, were um, were here long before, you know, I mean, humans were here, but they were here trying to help basically make this place a better place for humans. Hmm. They were here to help us. Now there's some really gnarly giant groups that come from up north that are that that were not here to help humans. They ate them. <laughs> I mean Wait, I mean, hold on, hold on, go back to that. Go back to that. Wait, they just like they they ate us? Yeah, well sure. I mean think of all the folklore that came out of, you know, Norway and Scotland and and Ireland about giants cooking big pots, you know, with with people in them. I mean this is, this is, I mean, folklore is not just some whimsical thing. 
that pops up and we go, oh, that's folklore. Folklore to me is a very viable map that we can follow back into time, learning what the old stories are and what the people were really trying to communicate. That's crazy. Just like we look at, you know, hieroglyphs and everything that's on the rocks and stones and petroglyphs and we read them. You know, we read, we read what happened to these people. I believe with all my heart, giants did exist and roamed the earth very much in full force. But this race of, of the ones called Mu were responsible for all the construction of pyramids. It's crazy. Like, it's just mind-bending. It's also the first time in the history of the show that I've had the, like, full rip opportunity to make an attack on Titan reference that I'm, I'm a super nerd and that's never happened. And I'm like, I'm, I'm using so much self-control because I know CK has a burning question that he wants to hit you with. So I'm going to okay. punt that. I'm going to pass it to CK real quick. So uh, first okay. of all, this is just the whole time, you know, listening to you speak, it's just been such, you know, so often on this show, we get the opportunity to speak with people who are just, you know, on the sort of cutting edge of what they're doing. And mm -hmm. it has just been so interesting hearing about your experiences. And so I wanted to shift gears just a little bit um, before we kind of talk to you a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now and what's coming next for you, because we know you've got just this full plate of things. But before mm -hmm. we do that, I just wanted to dig in a little bit and get an understanding of kind of this moment in your mental evolution as a as a mystic. And, you know, thinking about the fact that you've been doing this for the better part of three decades or a little bit more than three decades. And I could imagine that, you know, to the degree that you can control your experiences, that you've developed some techniques over time. You know, like Andrew was saying, like you, you know, you spirit travel into a moment and maybe you have a, an understanding, oh, I'm at this time or I'm in this place. And so I think a lot of our audience probably has an interest in lucid dreaming and yeah, having, yeah, yeah. having greater control over their, their dream states. And so I'm wondering if you could just shed some light on, you know, do you have any techniques or do you have any things you've learned over time that has kind of helped you understand how to either take control of your, um, you know, spirit traveling experiences or even just the inside your own dreams, you know, gaining lucid control of your dreams? Well, first of all, you know, being trained as a classical ballerina, you can imagine the amount of discipline that goes into that. Yeah, sure. for sure. And I approach and approached and manifested my first teacher who was very disciplined. I mean, we would sit in meditation for eight hours at a time. And I mean, nobody moved. And we, I mean, it was hardcore. And I appreciate that so much because if there's one thing I can say to people if you want to, and for most people, it's astral project. You know, if you want to do stuff like that, first of all, meditation is number one key. Second of all, um, I highly recommend at least calling on the angels to, to accompany you, to be with you, to protect you, because there's things out there that you don't want to run into. There's things out there that will definitely intercept you. And, you know, then you come back from some experience and you feel weird and then your behavior changes. And then, you know, luckily somebody finds my phone number and calls me and I see an entity in you or worse, an alien in you. And I have to get that out, which I would. But the point is, is that there has to be a level of responsibility. There has to be a, 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 a basis of meditation and groundedness before one attempts. And if it's in the dream state, um, I, you know, I, I, I think that it's, again, a, a, a type of discipline that we learn and we really work with that helps us to 
be more aware in our dreams. I mean, for me personally, because my daily life is but a dream. <laughs> when Life I sleep, what, you know, when I'm asleep, I'm out. I'm out. I mean, I'm like, don't bug me, man. I've had my day. Right. You know? right. <laughs> Business hours are over. Yeah. Kitchen's closed. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I hope that answered. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for that. And, you know, we only have a few minutes left. So I do want to give you the opportunity just to kind of hit us and our listeners with you know, what are you currently working on? What do you have, you know, coming down the pike and uh, can, how can people find your work and connect with you online? Yeah, yeah. I'm super, super stoked because I'm a, I'm a um, featured, featured speaker at the Awakening UFO Conference in Manchester, um, United Kingdom on July 19th and 20th. Oh, cool. So any of your listeners are there in the UK, come and see me. I'd love to, to meet you. I'm going to be doing little mini clearings and readings and I'll be speaking on Saturday the 20th. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And my my website's Sonia S-O-N-J-A Grace G-R-A-C-E dot com. I'm on social media. I'm on, you know, you can find me all over the place. Um Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and 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 I've got a really great meditation retreat that I'm going to be holding in January on the island of Molokai in Hawaii. Oh and yeah. Yeah, that's on my website. And that's going to be cool because the whole meditation retreat is about exploring the cosmos. Interesting. Oh, you guys are going to have to come. I mean, if I have to go to Hawaii again, I just went a couple of weeks ago. I'll do it. It's, it's, yeah. Fine. it's fine. Yeah, well, fine. you know, Molokai is the island that the kahunas would meet on and basically um, connect. Interesting. So I, I, I'm very excited to be there and to be a part of that energy of the island. For sure. And you have a new book that you're about ready to release as well, correct? I do. I just came out with Dancing with Raven and Bear. I highly recommend this book to people. It's, it's short stories about two characters, Raven and Bear. Bear's a medicine man. Raven is his sort of uh, sidekick trickster. And, um, and they're teaching stories. They're, they're in my native tradition. <clears throat> they're all about the things that we deal with on a daily basis, love, death, you know, uh, mending a broken heart, you know, all these different things that we all deal with in our lives. And they're, they're lovely stories. They're very transformative stories. And it, it is out on audio as well. Oh, nice. And I read, yeah, I read the stories. So if you want to hear my voice and hear me read them, you can get audio. And then Odin and the Nine Realms is the oracle deck that I created, did all the artwork and communicated with the Norse gods about. So Amazing. that comes out in August. And yep. I think, you know, what we should probably do is circle back when we're getting ready for that release. And uh, let's get the stars to align and pull you back on the show. We can chew through that. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that'd be that'd be really interesting for a lot of our listeners. I love it. We've I got like it. one minute left uh, before we have to, you know, part ways for the day. I, mm -hmm. I know CK and I are just both super grateful for this exchange. We appreciate the time that you've given us. Um, you. We were both really interested to kind of dig into these topics, your take on things. And this is kind of a departure from the normal episode of the show, right? Like we're poking at some I know. some concepts and theories that, that we normally don't explore, which is cool. And I just I have to be frank with you. Like I've had a lot of gnarly conversations with a lot of heady people, uh, even yep. before CK came onto the show. And then <laughs> furthermore, since, you know, he's been on the show, we, we've have explored a lot of crazy stuff that's that's, you know, just 
forcing us to, yeah. to look at things from different perspectives. Most of these conversations, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm super open-minded, obviously, like loving this space and, and all things that mm -hmm. are just, you know, alternative theories mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. This was one of the handful of conversations that I went into being skeptical as hell, like just straight up. Yeah. And the, yeah. how thoughtful you are with your answers, like this is legit one of my favorite exchanges that we've had on the show. Thank I, you. I, as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I really Thank enjoyed you. today. This so was nice. awesome. You know, I really appreciate you saying that. And I want to say to your listeners that that one thing that all archaeologists and historians desire and 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 think about, I believe in my heart, is is having my abilities, <laughs> is being able to do to, to time travel. And, 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 you know, and I say this with love and respect for everybody in the field, but I, I want to say that there is, there, there is legitimacy to my very unorthodox way of research. There is legitimacy to this, because when you think about in the past, what mystics and visionaries were to the people and how important they were and how revered they were before we started, you know, calling them heretics and burning them at the stake. Sure. Um, you know, we, we, we have it, we have history to show us that these people were leaders in helping the communities and people they were around to understand what was going on. And I am so grateful because the bottom line to, for everybody when it boils down to what you've heard and what you have seen or felt is what you feel. That's the bottom line. What do you feel? And I don't care how much research or how many papers somebody puts down in front of you, it's always going to boil back down to what did you feel? Sure. Yeah. And really, Sonia, thank you so much for, you know, being so thorough with us, breaking all of these things down, mm -hmm. getting into yeah. some depth here and really helping the audience understand this field, understand mystic healing. Um, and just, you know, also thank you for doing what you do for people. Um, yeah, you know, thank you. Thanks. And, and so we really appreciate you spending an hour with us today. We know you've got a pretty crazy schedule. So yeah. thank you so much. And thanks to the thank audience you. for listening to Sonia Grace. Today. Oh, yeah, this was great. Thank you so much, Sonia. I hope you have a, an awesome weekend. And, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to us as you're, you know, 
finding new things and new theories. And we'd love to get you back on the show sometime. This was awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, you guys. Thank you. Very good. Cheers, Sonia. Thank you. Thanks. Bye now. Okay. Let's, uh, let's regroup, right? Like, uh, I'm going to clean the, the mess that is my brain on the wall behind me up in a minute, but like, what's your, what's your take, dude? Sonia Grace, man. Wow. Um, I will simply say just right off the bat that she's probably the most articulate and clearly thought out, uh, discussion we've had on, on at least this season. Without a doubt. Um, seems so just all over the space of mysticism in a way that would make someone else maybe scattered. And yet she has such clarity mm-hmm. and such personal understanding, such personal attachment to these things. And passion, right? Such passion. And I think just generally, you know, for some listeners out there, they're probably saying, dudes, you guys are having spirit travelers on here. You're having mystics on here. I come here to look at lost origins. I'm, I'm trying to understand the origins of humanity. Yeah, talk about Gobekli Tepe, right? Yeah, what's, what's going on here? And I think one of the things, at least for both of us, um, without speaking for you necessarily, but just that I know both of us are inherently skeptical of everything. For sure. Just right out the gate. It doesn't matter if it's uh, you know a historical record of something or it's somebody's opinion that we generally just, it's in our nature to continue to probe, ask questions, try to poke holes in things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was an exercise in really having a sense of, while I may not personally have enough experience with this realm to understand exactly what Sonia Grace is talking about right. or have a personal um, experience that lets me say, yes, absolutely, that's what's happening in the world. Sure. But I think this is the point of the show to really, you know, ask questions of people with disparate opinions, really invite discourse. Hopefully there's going to be some interesting discussion in comments. Yeah. Um, some people, you know, let us know what you think. We can even pass those things along to Sonia herself. Hell yeah. Um, but quite frankly, she seemed to stand up to some scrutiny pretty well, um, you know, and, and I, I really enjoy that she is out there with such deep conviction doing something at this level. Um, and it's really been cool to have this conversation. Well, I mean, she's motivated by passion, one, right? But two, like with how she handles, you know, skepticism, pushback, criticism, whatever, like I don't think that you get into a space like that without having thick skin. Sure. Right? Like that just that, – that's a given in my yeah. opinion. Um, and I, I would like to clarify, you know, what I said to Sonia at the end of the episode, right? Like I, I shared with her – my skepticism coming into this. We've had some gnarly conversations on the on the show, right? We've talked about the Dogen. We've talked about Gobekli Tepe. We've talked about uh, the ancient astronaut theory with Giorgio Tsoukalos. Uh, we've talked about our dolphin ancestors with Frank Joseph, right? And that was probably, up to this point, the most skeptical I'd, I'd been going into a conversation. And I had told you before the show today, like, and I said at the beginning of this show, right? Like, I'm skeptical as hell about her work, but I'm intrigued and interested. And because of, you know, my curious nature, I just want to have a conversation that's open-minded and let's let's dig through it. And so when I told her at the end of the show, I shared that with her uh, just, just to be open and transparent with her. Um, you know, and the way she handled the conversation I thought was amazing. It's just so thorough uh, and, and very thoughtful, um, you know, but I'm not saying that, Okay, yeah, I, I straight up am 100% behind everything that you're saying, right? Like for me, there, there, there are still several things that would 
require a lot of work to be substantiated. And I don't mean that in a negative way. But frankly, we probably could say that about all of our guests. I would right? say that there's 100%. A certain, there's yes. a certain degree of you know skepticism that we're going to bring to any conversation. But part of what I liked about how you had conversations with people in season one and what we've been able to do thus far this season is that it's not about our opinions. Right. Right. And that it's mostly just about trying to pull out interesting research, interesting work, and let our audience parse through some of that stuff. I think that's the most important thing, right? Like the basis of history, uh, the basis of science is healthy debate. And the moment that we get to a point where we say this is definitive fact, we're done looking at this, that is like the most dangerous thing, in my opinion, for, for both of those disciplines. And, you know, you have to question stuff. And as, you know, a student of modern physics personally and also somebody who veers into mysticism and spirituality um, quite a bit, I will say that when I'm trying to explain superposition to someone in the (laughs) quantum realm, (laughs) when I'm trying to explain quantum entanglement to somebody, when I'm trying to explain the subquanta and the interaction of subatomic particles in the subquanta. Or holographic universe. Or holographic universe. Or I'm trying to explain the double slit experiment or Heisenberg principle, any of these things that are are largely considered to be um, leading modern scientific theory that have been vetted for, you know, since uh, quantum mechanics was developed, Mm -hmm. I think as I describe those things to the uninitiated or people who are maybe not as as familiar with certain elements of physics, I sound like a crazy person as well. So when I try to empathize with someone who has the skills, abilities, and experience that Sonia Grace does, if I'm Sonia and I've spent a a decent part of my life communing with um, higher beings and, you know, spent time with... uh, you know, entities traveling through space time, the opinions of other people about my experience is probably the last thing I care about. Sure, right? sure, <laughs> right, right. But wow, that was that was so cool. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to like, you know, not have this turn into something where it's an interrogation as much as it's an exploration. Exactly. And then I'll kind of like leave it at this. You know, a lot of people I'm sure listening today or a lot of people that have encountered her work in the wild much like anybody else that pokes at, you know, alternative historical theory or ancient civilizations, whatever, you know, a lot of people will look at that and say, that's crazy as hell. But like, in my mind, why is that crazy? Why is, you know, like Tom DeLonge poking at aliens crazy? But the fact that we like kneel beside the bed before we go down to, you know, for for the night and, and we say these prayers to this, this other thing and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, for, in my brain, it's so hard to like, where's the line in the sand? Sure. Like, why is that not crazy? But this is crazy as hell. I don't, I don't know. Like that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm still trying to internalize, I guess. It is absolutely. I think probably something that our, our audience deals with all the time is the idea that you're, you know, few billion people on earth who believe in some monotheistic uh, organized religion can look at these sorts of theories or, or many of the other theories we explore in the show and say, you know, no, that's, please, uh, we all know that uh, all of this is because a guy with a beard who's tall and mm-hmm. lives in the Silver City and has sandals that are, you know, like rope sandals that hippies wear, had this hippie child and he is also God. And, you know, I mean, quite frankly, that's what this discourse is all about. Right, right. Suss, suss these things out. Yeah, uh, um, bring these things out. And and I think if we had somebody on the show, um, a rabbi, we had somebody on the show who was a, like a, a pastor scholar. or a biblical scholar, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we didn't allow them to say what exactly what they were talking about, and we just asked them to describe their beliefs. I think in that instance, we'd probably have a lot of people in the audience having a similar reaction. Like, wait, you believe in 
things you can't see at all, that omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and that they are watching you masturbate. Whoa. <laughs> also, that's my time. Stop. Yeah, that's definitely personal time. Um, let's do that, though. I feel like, not the masturbate thing, but like have that conversation. I feel like that would be, be like mind-bending. Yes, guess the religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like that. Let's go. This is Steve. <laughs> Steve goes to a building once a week and sits there for an hour and a half. He eats a small wafer and drinks blood of a thing. And <laughs> what Steve believe? I feel like the only thing that game show is missing. Is that? Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> I'm so like used to it that I just tee you up now. Yeah, thank I guess. you. That's cool. You know, speaking of things that people say yeah. and things that people believe. What do you got? I'm wondering. You have a tiny human. Yeah, I got a lot uh, of them. Who has some pretty incredible beliefs. And I'm wondering if we could uh, kind of dig into her brain. Yeah, let's see what's going it. on. Let's go. Hey, internets. Welcome to this week's installment of Ask a Sixth Grader. As always, I'm joined by the amazing Eden. How are you? I'm good. You're good? All right, yeah. kiddo, let's unpack something real quick for our listeners. Okay. Uh, break me off on what's going on with Noodles. We got a new kitten named Noodles. She's a black cat. Um, She's really playful, and she's three months old, and we're super excited that we got a cat. Yeah, she's super fun, very rambunctious, very playful. and mm-hmm. She's uh, crazy. She is, but I'm a big fan. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to talk not history today so much, but more theory, right? Like ideas and concepts and, and whatnot. So on the show that we had today, mm-hmm. we had a gal on the on the show. Her name is Sonia Grace. Very, very nice lady. We had an awesome conversation and she was talking about spirit traveling. What's that? Okay. So spirit traveling, uh, basically what Sonia says she can do. She says she was born with this ability. She can go into like a like a deep meditation, right? Mm-hmm. And while she's meditating, she basically can dissolve her body into like uh, very like small pieces of lighter particles, right? And she can go anywhere in the world or in the universe. So- but she could also go anywhere in time, she said, right? So she can go back in time and see the pyramids being built. What do you think about that? I have two things to say. First of all, is she technically saying like she can see it in her mind or is she saying like she's actually going back there and she can actually physically move where she is? So, God, I should ask that question. It's really good. <laughs> um, no, she basically says that she she's able to communicate with certain like beings that show her this stuff and she can like walk, you know, like move around and like it, it's like she's there. But I'm I'm guessing it's very much, you know, like in her mind at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know. We didn't unpack that. Um well, if it's in her mind, I think that is possible. But if she's saying that she literally can time travel, I honestly don't think that's possible. Um, but if that if that is the case, then I I'm I'm supporting her. I think that's actually very cool. Uh, I know some people are born with special abilities mm-hmm. like that, and she might be one of them. Um, that's very cool. If she's listening, uh, hi. <laughs> so if you could go anywhere in time, right? If you could, if you had that ability, mm-hmm. and you could travel anywhere in time, 
where would you go? You all are probably going to be like, you're crazy. I would want to go to the Titanic. I would want to be on the Titanic and I want to experiment, like experience the Titanic, but I would not want to die. <laughs> right. So like experience it, you know, before it sinks probably just to yes. see it and see how amazing and beautiful. No, I would want to be on it when it's sinking. Whoa. Yeah. That's intense. It sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't really know what to make of that. So, um, <laughs> I'm just going to do the dad move and tell you to go clean your room. Why? It's already clean. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Thanks for coming on the show this week, Eden. Bye. Bye. All right. So when an 11-year-old breaks you off her opinion on spirit traveling. Out of the mouths of babes. Yeah, it gets a a little mind-bending, right? Indeed. I always just like how honest she is though you know like and i think that's just the nature of you know youth you know i like that we don't have this any more figured out than she does (laughs) (laughs) straight up man yeah it's pretty it's pretty amazing i I just love being able to to pull her onto the show and just have these exchanges with her It's, it's pretty cool and today you um you know brought some comments directly from social which I thought was pretty cool. Straight up. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't once again um, just try to encourage people to say, hey, that could be you. You know, anybody who's listening to this who may have a question for our next guest, we usually tease some stuff up ahead of time, let you guys know, yeah. you know, teaser content who's coming on the show. Um, but what you heard today and what you've heard in other episodes, you know, Andrew pulling things directly from the comments, directly from, you know, whether it's Twitter or uh, Facebook, you know, feel free to Get engaged. Please. Jump in on the conversation. Well, I mean, once again, healthy debate is like the basis for for all of this. And we've had a lot of that going on in in posts and just threads lately. And a lot of the times I just kind of like take a step back like Homer Simpson into the bush a little bit and just like watch it go down. And I love it. Yeah. Like you guys are are doing amazing stuff online. And it's, it's just really neat to see this show almost become a forum for that kind of exchange between people. It's just, it's, I don't know, it's super humbling. It makes it's me huge. happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's fills huge. me with all the good feels. So, you know, if you haven't subscribed to the show, uh, shameless plug, please do. If you haven't left us a review on, you know, podcast platform of your choice, please do. That legit moves the needle for us. Um, you know, and if you like what we're doing, if you like the way that CK, uh, you know, throws some uh, slapstick humor at you. <laughs> Uh, hit us up on Patreon, like $3 a month or whatever, a cup of coffee, less than a cup of coffee, depending on where you go, like helps us make this show as pro as we possibly can. Uh, and we've got some cool merch in the store, right? Like uh, it's neat totally. seeing people wear that, wear that stuff out in the wild. Um, you know, just find a way to get involved and, and swing at it. And I do on a personal note, uh, want to add one thing and that is that, um, you know, we also look to the audience to help us improve help us be better, um, and also just, you know, help us evolve as thinkers. And one of the things that I really appreciated is someone reached out to me personally and said, hey, love the show, was listening to each of the episodes this season, but one thing jumped out at me that was a little unsettling. And uh, that is that in episode one, um, I used the phrase off the reservation. And it was one of those things where, you know, it's a turn of phrase that uh, is frustratingly in retrospect, somehow deep in my mind. Mm -hmm. But I did want to do a couple of things. One, I wanted to apologize to the entire audience for using that phrase. Mm -hmm. That phrase is not something we should be using. It has uh, etymology back in the day about, uh, you know, negative assumptions about First Nations people. And so I simply wanted to say, I am accountable to you. 
I'm accountable to this audience. Same. I'm accountable to Andrew. And first and foremost, I really appreciate that listener who reached out to me and said, hey, bud, not a great phrase. Um, and furthermore, I just want to articulate, neither of us are beyond reproach. No. So <laughs> we need your help on those things. I appreciate you guys so much helping me come correct and be my best self. Um, but absolutely wanted to make sure to apologize to everyone, whether you were offended or not. I apologize for even using the phrase. Yeah, I think that's like, we're just two dudes pretending to be grownups, right? Like just asking <laughs> totally. questions. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm in lockstep with you there, right? Like we're figuring this out as we go and, you know, we're not claiming to know everything and we may say some stuff. It's not, I mean, <laughs> let me back up. I'm a crazy we dude. Will likely, we will definitely, definitely say, there some, it is. Stuff we will say <laughs> some stuff that, uh, you know, might not sit well with you guys. And we want to hear that. We want to know, like help us shape the future of this show. And it's just that kind of like transparent and honest feedback that's going to allow us to do that. And we yeah. love, we welcome it with open arms. Like we are pretty mellow dudes and, and we take stuff pretty serious though, you know? For real. And so. we absolutely take you, the audience, very seriously. 100%. Oh, dang, look. And uh, Sonia just hit us with a quick follow-up note here. She said, hey guys, uh, on the show, I said Tropic of Capricorn, but I totally meant the Tropic of Cancer. So Sonia, thank you for clarifying that. We really Appreciate it. So let's unpack next week real quick because this is one that I am super excited for. Uh, Graham, Graham Phillips, okay? He came on the show last season and uh, his work is really cool. I like the way he writes. Uh, it's very uh, deep and thorough, but also easy to digest and read. And it kind of, it's like page turner mentality stuff, right? He, he does a very good job of walking you through what he's exploring. And last season we talked about the lost tomb of King Arthur. And that was like near and dear to my heart because I can remember growing up, my mom and dad reading me stories, uh, you know, about King Arthur and Merlin and all the things. And to this day, Sword in the Stone is my absolute favorite Disney movie so on the face of the I've tried so many times to get my kids into it. And I don't know if that generation just does not connect with the animation style yeah. from, from back then. It's weird. Dad, this is too flat. Yeah. They're like, I, I'm not into this. But it's whatever. I'll get over it. Um, so anyways, he had a new book come out called Wisdom Keepers of Stonehenge. And it's cool. Uh, I'll make sure that you go home with it today so you can pick awesome. through it. But like this dude is just so much fun to talk to. He's so interesting. He's very articulate. Uh, I'm really excited for you to be able to hop so into sad. the conversation and, and just like pick the brain. Right? Especially after our conversation today about Stonehenge. There's some yeah. interesting uh, revelatory aspects about how, how she believes its its origins came about. That was pretty cool. Maybe we should go full circle and in that conversation explain Sonia's take on it and, yeah, and just get his take. Yeah, 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 that could be fun. It almost leads me to like an idea that I had during our talk with Sonia today was like, what if we set up an episode where it's almost like a panel, right? Where it's like, maybe we had Sonia and uh, like Linda Moulton Howell and then Tom DeLong, but then also somebody that's like by and large so against Total doubter. ancient astronaut theory yeah. or just aliens in general. And let's get them all on the horn. And then you and I just like smack the hornet's nest and then back up and we can watch what happens. That actually sounds amazing. I you, think that'd be fun. Now we have to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I got to stop Babe Ruthing stuff, don't I? No, you do. You have to keep Babe Ruthing <laughs> stuff. What are you talking about? It's amazing. So, man, today was cool. Let's uh, let's kind of zip it up. And, uh, yeah, tune in next week for our conversation with Graham Phillips. Until then, I'm Andrew. I'm CK. And we challenge you to question everything.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.